0: hey there Southside Sox fans despite the fact that there really is nothing at all going on in the White Sox world I decided to bring in my friend fellow Southside Sox writer Colleen not related to Paul Sullivan (laughs) to just see if there's something maybe we can drum up about the White Sox uh hey Colleen I've heard you're a Hall of Famer baseball person, so welcome am, to the show.
1: I am a Hall of Famer baseball person, which is pretty impressive considering I am not actually related to Paul Sullivan, who also probably considers himself a Hall of Famer baseball person.
0: He probably even has a ring that he tells people to look at when he gets in trouble.
1: Probably, but I did ask, I did double check, I, I made sure with my dad, we are not in fact related to Paul Sullivan. So.
0: All right, this is going to be a really <laughs> short podcast otherwise.
1: Yeah, uh, I had to cover all my bases.
0: All right, listeners, no fancy theme music yet. We're going to hook up with Scott Riker. We're going to get some of his really groovy, cool uh, 12-string guitar music for a, a little uh, theme thing going on our Southside Sox podcast. But I believe also, Colleen, not uh, related to Paul, uh, this is your first, is this your first Southside Sox podcast? I know we've done stuff I think so. Hitpen. Yeah,
1: I did. I think I did the Southside Hitpen podcast a couple times. But yeah, this is my first official Southside Sox what. I'm making debuts on Southside Socks all over the place.
0: Well, listeners, um, let me familiarize you here. Um, I think uh, Colleen's our go to controversial uh, criminal podcast guest because <laughs> I know we talked and, and laughed a lot during the, oh gosh, the quaint controversy of the trash can Astros way back. Oh, I don't God. know. Uh, God, was that last Have year or was were... that just <laughs> the spring? Oh my God, it was still this year. <laughs> what a year. Yeah. Holy Christ. Oh, Man, and hey, listen. Remember
1: when like the Astros was like the
0: worst thing that happened in baseball this year. I know. And, and AJ, Hinch, A.J. Hinch was a demon personified. All right. Uh, podcast listeners, just a warning. It's going to be on whatever the ratings are on this podcast. But I'm going to guess this is going to be a bit of a saucy and spicy one given the circumstances. <sighs> so if there are small children in the room or if your ears are easily offended, turn the volume down or perhaps just skip to our next delightful Southside Sox podcast because this one – could be a bit feisty. And that's not just because Colleen's on the show. This is a frustrating time. White slayer. Sox fan. And, uh, you know, we're going to speak to that. And obviously if you've been under uh, a rock somewhere on the South side for the past um, 24 hours, uh, be aware that the already questionable hire of Tony La Russa, the 76 year old manager who's been out of baseball or out of managing baseball for nine years, The already questionable hire there is made more questionable by the fact that the White Sox, while aware of this, uh, hired LaRusa after he had been arrested for a second DUI infraction, this time during spring training in Arizona. uh, Finishing off the nightcap of his doubleheader of DUIs in 2007, he had one during spring training in Florida when he was the manager of the Cardinals. Now, uh, just this past February, as an advisor to the Los Angeles Angels, He, again, was pulled over after some sort of welcome to spring training, we're all going to get together and get a little bit lit uh, type of gathering, Um, during which when he was pulled over, among many other things, uh, we've just now learned that uh, (laughs) he told the officer he's a Hall of Fame baseball person and look at his ring and a bunch of unsavory stuff that a guy who's really guilty and sort of a little snaky would say. Uh, If you've read my stuff in the last, uh, I guess, 24 hours or last night, uh, you know where I stand in this. I don't think Colleen feels any differently, but this is an (laughs) opportune time for the White Sox to part ways with Tony La which naturally means, Colleen, they're not going to do that.
1: No. Why would – I'd like to say, first of all, my favorite thing ever is when famous people get DUIs and they say, do you know who I am? (laughs) Because just once I want a cop to say no. Just like – Shut it down. Do you know who I am? No, get in the
0: car. Yeah, come on, old, you know, you old codger. Let's go, yeah. old,
1: old drunk guy.
0: No, don't reach back in your back seat and p- put your baseball cap on. That's not going to help me either. I'm not a baseball <laughs> fan. Yeah, you got to figure it happens, and it probably is pretty, uh, pretty entertaining. I, I I'm a hockey it fan works. here in Arizona, <laughs> exactly. I love the Coyotes. Do you play for the Coyotes, man? <laughs> Oh, there is no hope in your mind, Colleen, that that the White Sox do the right thing here. And it doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be messy. It's already ugly and messy. But they don't have to further the ugly by making this something, you know, that's wrong. They could say, listen, we're going to work together with Tony. We're going to make sure he attends to himself the way he needs to. He has a role, you know, when he wants to return in the organization, right? I mean, there's a way to do this that doesn't involve him being the manager on opening day.
1: Well, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think about it and... When they first hired him, I was like, this is kind of stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. This was a very coveted managerial role. And the Sox really had an opportunity to do something great with it. They could have brought in a young minority manager. They could have brought in a young manager, period, someone who's really into data. I was hoping, honestly, I was hoping for Alex Cora. Um, And here's why. With everything with A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, yes, they cheated. Yes, they got caught stealing signs. However, something I had said way back when all of this happened, they served their punishment. Okay? If they served their punishment, they served their suspensions. They served their suspensions quietly, not like Jeff, you know, Lunau, who's now suing the team for Whatever he's ridiculous, but these are two guys who served their suspension, right? And baseball loves the redemption story. They love, you know, oh, giving second chances, and you know they already served their punishment. I mean, that was the Cubs' big excuse for Edison Russell, right? Even though he beat the shit out of his wife. But with AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, you had these two guys who they essentially they did. But they were supposed to. They went quietly. They served their suspensions. They didn't say anything. They didn't cause any problems. Um, but anyway, like when they announced Tony LaRusa, I thought it was stupid. And I actually didn't care about the initial DUI because it was from 2007. And I'm like, I thought, okay, it's, it was 13 years ago, right? Like he could have done all the counseling and all the DUI stuff that you're supposed to do to learn your lesson, you know, all the punitive stuff. And for all we knew, he had. He had gotten help for any drinking problem he might have. He did all of the things that you're supposed to do to atone for.
0: Yeah, publicly he said the right things.
1: Yeah, which it was like, okay, well, this was 13 years ago. I'm assuming he's done everything he's supposed to to, you know, serve all of that stuff. It's the things that I was starting to have issues with with hiring him were his 2016 comments about um, Colin Kampernick. And then stories that have come out over the years about how he's treated players under his management, how he's treated minority players, you know, stuff like that is very alarming, especially when you have a young team that is very diverse, you know, it is a diverse team. And you want to be mindful of the fact that the manager is going to be somebody who. Whether or not they can relate to their everyday experiences, it's really going to be somebody who can endear himself to that younger team and really bring the clubhouse together and do all of the great things that the team, that the young team needs to do to win. And then on top of all of, you know, that stuff, he had managed in nine years, right? Like he's been in Los Angeles doing nonsense front office stuff special advisor or whatever so initially those were a lot of my hesitations about it and you know my I was two when he was fired the first time you know like I (laughs) I was I mean I was a kid I don't remember him managing I mean my dad hated it you know he hates Tony LaRusso when they had the bobblehead my dad was gonna run it over with his car (laughs) you know like all the old guys from the 80s hate him that's the impression that I have um, and I was like, well, I don't remember any of that. Maybe he'll do something good. He'll maybe he'll have like a young bench coaches or like a young pitching coach. He'll have like, there'll be a balance sure. somewhere that outweighs the fact that the guy's 75 years old and hasn't managed in nine years. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, he's undeniably, a, a great manager, his record okay. speaks for itself. It's not just a longevity situation where because he managed right. for, you know, 40 years. He won a couple of World Series or something. You know, the guy is, uh, you know, through my research, whatever people want to think of it, um, he's really at the top of the top in terms of management. I mean, okay. his, his Let's even presume those skills transfer him. People want to make a lot of excuses for him or at least combat the, the age hesitation and some of the personality hesitation by saying, Hey, he was a matrician before anybody knew, you know, what those terms were. Right. Listen, to some degree, that stuff is all warranted. Uh, yep. I, I, I think the hesitation you have initially for the hires, the fact that once again, um, now going on 17 years, the White Sox have gone without actually having an interview process for their manager. And I don't care yep. if Jerry said, we're hiring Tony LaRussa. You still hold off on that hire long enough to talk to a couple people. And I know that's wasting people's time, but the truth is the last time there was an actual interview process, Ken Williams gave a, I think, what amounts to a courtesy interview to Ozzie Gian, who was somewhat hung over after the Marlins had just <laughs> won the world series. Ozzie came in, sat down, sort of cussed him out when he found out this was a little bit of a dog and pony interview and somewhere between the start of that interview <laughs> and the end, Ken Williams said, "Hey, man, I think this is our nice a manager uh, and not saying that was going to happen here, but the idea that that after Rick Hahn sits down and, and, and tells everybody hey we 're going to take advantage of this we 're going to listen to people outside of the organization uh we 're going to finally not be uh, quite so uh family and, and, and internal looking." Um, introspective in the way we go about things, and we're going to try to actually reach out and, and talk to others. There's still something to be gained, even if Tony La Russa was going to be higher, There's something to be gained for your note cards to say, "Hey, here's the guys we're going after next when Tony quits, or when Tony, you know, has to leave, or when Tony wins a World Series and retires again." Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that they could not go through a process was, you know, all the other stuff aside. I mean, it really has nothing to do with Tony La Russa or his age or his gender or his ethnicity. It has to do with the fact that they didn't even go through the process that they this the organization promised they would and desperately, desperately needs. And that's just disappointing whether or not they picked a hall of fame manager like Tony Russo or maybe a true unknown, maybe Shell or something, somebody from their, their own system, or they, they pulled Omar Vizquel back or something.
1: Right. And for the longest time i I probably was the only one thinking this, but for a long time, I really thought Ricky was a placeholder for Omar Vizquel. I'm like, that's why they've got him managing these minor league teams. They're trying to, you know, familiarize him with the players, familiarize him with the system, bring him up. Omar Vizquel is probably going to be the next manager. Great. Clearly he would have then had some sort of on-the-job training, (laughs) you know, before he got to the major league team. But then when they fired him, I was like, well, there goes that theory. Um, But yeah, like you assume that they're going to put for some kind of managerial process, you know, that it's going, that it's not just going to be Jerry calling up his buddy and being like, Hey, you want a job? Um, which it's just irresponsible because you, for all of Rick Hans faults, and I think there's probably an argument to be made that he's got enough. Um, for all of his faults, like he's in he's in control of the team he's in control of who are these what guys are we going to get for this team what am I going to build it's him and Ken Williams and you just cut their lens out from under them like I this was like the most Mets not to bring it back to the Mets but this was the most Mets thing because this is shit that the Wilpons did for years that's why they didn't sell it to Steve Cohen last year, because he didn't want Fred Wilpon to still be in the front office for five years after he bought the team. Like this is, you know, the Mets openly had people in the front office and on the bench that Fred Wilpon could boss around. And the fact that Jerry just did something so similar, the hiring his buddy and cutting the legs out from under, Rick Hahn and Ken Williams like that's so Mets lol but actually no it's not the Mets it's the White Sox and we really should know better you know like you don't watch the Mets and go hey that's a really good idea I want to emulate that too
0: (laughs) yeah I think what's frustrating about all of this among, you know, many things, and of course there's some very serious issues I'm sure we'll be addressing uh, having to do with the the actual details of of what's gone on in in Tony LaRusso's life and what the White Sox were aware of while still hiring him. But, you know, the idea that uh, we, I mean – no offense to the Mets. I know that's your national team, <laughs> that's your second team, but I mean, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be lovable losers. You know, we're we're both right. old enough to know what that means, what that signifies on the north side, and how disgusting that is. That's part of what defines us as a whites as White Sox fans, that we're not that. And the idea that we've just yep. gone through this basically entire decade of the the 2010s where we've sort of been forced to really wince and grin and bear it, and we had this sort of Fake rebuild or I don't know restock, and then about the middle of the (laughs) decade we go full rebuild, and then have to deal with a hundred loss season. Finally, in the new decade, we get this sort of bizarre, sick, scary, freaky mini season that ends up better than anybody could have ever thought. Um, White Sox make the playoffs in the sort of token playoffs. I guess they wouldn't have really made the playoffs in a normal year, but whatever. Something (laughs) wasn't a normal point tour, right? I mean, something we can really, really be optimistic about. And now we're put right back, you know, the football gets pulled away from us again. We're right back in that area where we really have to fight and bite down hard to not get into that kind of that cloud hanging over us. (sighs) Love, you know, laughing stock of lean. I don't care about that on one hand, but on the other hand, I'd rather not be the butt of the jokes. I liked it a lot right. when the Cubs were the butt of the jokes. Or, <laughs> I don't know, the Mets, I don't pay that close attention, even though I had a soft spot for the Mets as well. The Mets, it's kind of I
1: mean, like, LOL, the Mets do dumb shit. You know, like, it's uh, kind of like a laugh on the internet, and then Mets fans are sad because, like, they'll do really well and then just sh- shit the bed.
0: Yeah, can't we let the Boston Red Sox be horrible for a full 365 days before we have to somehow find a way to supplant them. Maybe not on, on uh, in the standings, but in 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 st- I mean, You know, they should still be smarting from trading away monkey bets for like a, 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 a three cases of baseballs, and yet yeah. no, here we come in, and our front office is actually going to somehow find a way to, to to outdo them. And and the way I'm talking right now is exactly the thing you worry about. And a lot of defenders, even now of, of what's going on, is hey, the baseball team still the baseball team. They still got a bright future, but here's the problem. We're talking about this other crap. We got people calling yeah. in and canceling season tickets or threatening to, or thinking about it. We're thinking that they're going to have mixed feelings on opening day because they got to cheer for this manager or this front office. And why should we yeah. have to be confronting this? Couldn't we just have like three straight months of, of bliss as White Sox fans before the next nope. terrible thing yeah. happens?
1: Nope, can't do it. Well, like, and two things there, like, Sox fans have been asked to swallow a lot. We have been asked to put up with a lot. Of
0: literally, Han even sort of said that a couple of years yeah, ago.
1: Like, yeah, like, yeah, literally. <laughs> the amount of nonsense, like, all of the nonsense in 2016 with Drake LaRoche and the other, like, trading Chris Sale and... All of the crap that we have had to put up with. And then we were promised in 2020, it's going to be this young team. They're going to be fresh. It's going to be awesome. And everyone was really excited about the young team. Nobody was really that wild about like some of Ricky Runtria's managerial decisions. That's going to happen with every team. No team loves the manager. That's just how it is. Like My joke yesterday was my understanding of Bears football is that everybody's always mad. Whether or not they're doing any good. I always feel like somebody's mad at Matt Nagy. You know, and it's kind of the same thing with any other baseball manager. Like, the the managers do dumb shit all the time. You know, the fans aren't always going to be happy with that. But collectively, the White Sox fans have been asked to put up with a lot of bullshit from this team. A lot of bullshit from the front office. Because we were promised gold at the end of the rainbow. It's gonna be this great team. fun to watch. We're gonna have Luis Robert. We're gonna have Eloy. Jose Abreu's still gonna be here, and he's finally gonna get his for having to put up with this team for so long. At Tim Anderson and his bat flips, and, you know, change the game. And then they go and hire Tony Larusa.
0: I was just gonna be my pause. Gonna just interrupt you and say their their unbelievable yep. phrase for 2020 is change the game. Change and the game, they game are, and they hire Tony Larusa. La first opportunity they have to do something different. Not even signing a new play. <sighs> It's hiring Tony LaRusso. Let's take a quick break, Colleen. We're going to jump right back in this. And I know one thing I want to do is put myself in the shoes of one of the players in that White Sox clubhouse with all that's going on right now. But we will be back in, uh, oh, I don't know, just a minute or so. All right, we're back. I'm here with Colleen, not related to Paul Sullivan, <laughs> Southside Sox writer, and now debut Southside Sox podcaster. Thank you for joining my, me, Colleen. I sort of interrupted you there before the break. I'm not sure if uh, there's there's more you had to spout Um uh, We were talking about change the game and the how how preposterous it is that this is the move, this is the pivot the front office makes when we're talking about this exciting, galvanizing, extremely young, diverse. Um, you know, even dare I say courageous with some of the players, uh, a team, some of the dead weights being cut for the offseason, some of the experiments that didn't work, perhaps with the Nomar Mazzara, uh, certainly with Edwin Encarnacion and Gio Gonzalez. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're looking for an even more young and dynamic team. Ultimate destination for free agents, and now, not anymore. Monday, we learned that Tony La Russa, already a dubious hire for reasons that mm-hmm. are totally legit, as well as being a good hire for some legit reasons as well, yeah, was uh, arrested for now a second time in this century, uh, let's <laughs> say in the last thirteen years for uh, DUI, and the White Sox were fully. Aware of this, I can say on yeah, this yeah. podcast, I think I said it, and I don't think I even explicitly said it in the article. I did reach out specifically to Rickon last night. Rickon uh, punted my question, as, as he has, certainly has a right to do, uh, to uh, team spokesman Scott Ryford who who is issuing the same standard answer to everybody's asking, which is basically His the,
1: job sucks right now.
0: <laughs> confirming him,
1: like him and whoever's running the White Sox Twitter, like their <laughs> jobs really suck right now. <laughs>
0: Well, the White Sox quit Twitter guy, he can, he sort of just got a few day vacation probably because they're going to be like, well, don't put on any. I mean, I know you want to like divert people with like some highlights, but don't do that because people are going to get ticked. Although they can't take this week off, right? Because we got right. the manager of the year, which is awkward in and of itself. If Ricky yes. was to win. Yep. And the then, of course, MVP by week. Thursday. So, yeah, you can't exactly, uh, maybe a short break. It's one day off, perhaps.
1: Yeah. Maybe just don't. Just keep an eye on some of the comments. Don't post. Don't respond. Close the DMs. Like, yeah, whoever's running, like, God bless the poor person that's running that Twitter account right now. Hmm. That is not a well paid like as somebody whose day job is an advertising, that is not a well paid job for the yeah. amount of work.
0: And we so. get the murmurs. We're we're you know, we're getting these um you know, as always, anonymous murmurs that um, you know, there are members of the front office or or at least members in the executive suites of the White Sox who've been frustrated with this from the start and, and frustrated somebody, maybe maybe Rick Hahn, maybe not, but 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 some peoples uh with the White Sox are are you know, truly, truly frustrated with the entire process, and now this is just an, an extra cherry on top uh, yeah. for all of it. But I mean, we haven't heard, you know, that I, I did want to reach specifically out to to Rick to see if he wanted, even in a even in a a, a non sensational way, to to still disavow this to some degree. Uh, I don't not surprised he didn't take that opportunity yeah. with me. Uh, but you know Scott Reifert did uh you know, get in touch with every uh, he probably wrote the same thing to a hundred people yesterday, which is basically that the team was aware, everybody, not just yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf, but everybody was aware of this situation pending with Tony LaRusso, whether they found out or whether Tony told them. I presume it was Tony telling them, but who knows. Yeah. Uh, and I think
1: he might go to jail for 10 days. I really hope he told them. <laughs>
0: yeah, it would probably be. No matter whether you're Hall of Fame, or whether you have a ring to look at or not, that's probably something you need to do if you do want a job, because I'm guessing he's not doing this job uh, for free. But, of course, Scott said, uh, like, like any uh, communications VP would say, is they obviously can't say anything more because some – Uh, pending action pending situations so we're not really going to get much more there which won't stop people from digging so it'll be interesting to find out what more there is including ESPN um, just today getting a copy of I believe the entire police report the entire incident report which did involve these things I think we let off with humorously about uh (laughs) <laughs> look at Tony's ring. He's in the hall of fame. He's a hall of fame yeah. dude or whatever. It's like, holy cow, this just gets, you know, it's like there, there is a bingo card out there of the other things yep. he said during this incident. And I'm afraid to find out what some of them might be. So I'd rather He's gonna not go play full that bingo Mel Gibson.
1: game. Oh, God. God. That, honestly, that, I think that's what would make this so much worse. If he just went full on Mel Gibson DUI, anti-Semitic racism rant, and god please no
0: yeah
1: and, and <laughs> let's not make this worse
0: and what's funny too is uh yeah well of course not funny what's tragic too is uh you know espn did reach out to Larusa, called him last night and he basically had nothing to yeah and start.
1: he hung up on that i had nothing to say them. now like, i imagine my.
0: he was hoping against hope that somehow it wouldn't come out this way it wouldn't come out in the form of a, a call you know late uh late at night
1: he or something had to know it was going to come out though like this this is what makes me so mad they knew and they hired him anyway and they didn't have any kind of strategy for when this came out because you know it's going to come out you absolutely there's no way they didn't know that this was going to come out in some capacity and none of you assholes sat down in a room and said this is what we're going to do when jeff passan calls us when ken rosenbell calls us because we know that things leak it happens I cannot believe the amount of money you guys get paid, and none of you idiots got in a room and talked about this, and talked about what you were going to do. Like, this like this response was the best you could come up with? Like, we're not commenting on an ongoing investigation. It's a fucking DUI. He didn't stab someone. Yeah. You know? Like, you don't comment. He's not accused of murder. He's not accused of dogfighting. It's a fucking DUI. Like, they probably have him dead to rights. You'd
0: know? like, you think there would be a chapter in like the, the front office handbook that just, just attends solely to that.
1: Yeah, like you, if I worked in the, if I honestly, even if I was a low level staff person at front office, I'd be like, y'all are fucking stupid. Like, what the hell, man?
0: Yeah, the idea but that like, the, the the approach you would have taken if this had happened during, and let's hope we don't find out it did, uh, if this had happened during Larousse's first tenure, 30 years ago, then you might be, um, you might be excused thinking, oh yeah, we can outrun this. We can yeah. dodge this. We can uh, lay low on this and something else will blow over because the the team on the North side will do something stupid and then all people focus on that. Not right. today. That's not going to happen no. today. This isn't something. No,
1: especially not. This like isn't a uh, lot of court records are online and, and I don't, I don't know what the rules with Arizona with civil court records and criminal court records, but like, you can find stuff like that online very easily by doing a search on like a clerk, a county clerk's website. You know, like
0: yeah, It's, somebody, not,
1: hard to, it's not hard to find this stuff.
0: Somebody or somebody's at ESPN did because then Jeff Passan got the best call of the month for for himself and said, "Oh, this is what just fell into my inbox."
1: Oh, yeah, like hello. one of the interns is probably like honestly at ESPN. There's probably. They were like, we haven't heard about Tony La Russa for nine years. See if there's anything out there. Mm-hmm. That's just good. Re- I mean, and that's just good reporting. For as much as everyone wants to shit on ESPN's baseball reporting, they probably hit somebody. See if he's done anything in the last nine years. Like, if he hasn't, cool. There's no story there. But let's just see. And, I, I, yeah, dare, th-
0: <laughs> I dare say that White Sox fans will be willing to forgive ESPN and their multiple, multiple s- cases of selective no memory when it comes to the White Sox and their successes, if somehow ESPN reporting is what rids the franchise of what seems to be an incredibly problematic. Uh, course there on. Yeah. And that was probably already the case before any of this ESPN reporting. Now that said, just last week in talking to Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez, certainly two of the, the, the cornerstone stars, and, uh, and Tim Anderson arguably, though he doesn't seem to really want to seize that role per se, is, is clearly uh, the heartbeat of the team and a guy who is looked to to be a spokesman, both as a veteran, as a guy who has causes and interests, that yeah. definitely dovetail with the way, the course of society today. Both of those guys, though obviously there were many awkward moments during that uh, media session they had on Zoom after being announced as Silver Slugger winners, uh, it was mostly nervous laughter, and there was still some politeness. And Tim Anderson is a very interesting character study in that as individuals he is, and as clearly as he said, I'm not going to change who I am for Tony La Russa, Yep. Everything else he said was, I want to talk to the guy. I'm eager to see why it is people think we're going to butt heads. There's things I can learn from him. He yeah. really approached, and he, he seems to approach his career as really almost a college student. He's he's continuing to learn. He's not going to throw away his old textbooks. He's going to call on Ricky Renteria if he needs yeah. to in the future, which is just the smartest possible take. Aloy Jimenez certainly was not as... Uh, effusive, but he was he was he was very uh enthusiastic about mm-hmm. meeting Tony and hearing from him and working under as as he put it a Hall of Fame manager. How how could he possibly argue? So you got two key guys who easily could have been very mum uh, a lot of eye rolling, uh, a lot of passing okay. on the question. But these two guys, though, they hadn't even heard from Tony LaRusa and presumably hadn't maybe heard very quickly after the hire, maybe even from the front office. I'm sure Rick Hahn tried to reach out, but I don't think it was not, the hire was not predicated on talking to Tim Anderson and getting his approval right. in any way. Um, uh, these I feel guys like it's were weird taking... that he hasn't
1: talked to anybody. Look, <laughs> like, that's weird, right? Oh, no. Like. <laughs>
0: go have time soon.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a spring, uh, a team meeting and spring training is what we're going to be doing now. Uh, yeah. He's got enough to worry about, but I mean the fact that these guys, particularly Aloy, as a younger guy, just really getting into the game, a guy who's still even getting, uh, uh, you know, mastering even the language. Uh, he's done a fantastic job with that. Yeah. You know, a guy who's learning to communicate in all the ways he wants, to, including throwing an expletive uh, in during his. Uh, uh, a Zoom uh, last week, which I thought was uh, charming and cute, which is about everything <laughs> but these guys are able to be mature enough to come with the right attitude they could be excused if they didn't because most fans certainly don't. There are a lot of fans who right. probably are complaining, you know perhaps protesting a, a little bit too much. Uh, the, the players don't seem to be. I mean, I imagine they're all scratching their heads. That's certainly an impression mm-hmm. to management gave, where sort of like, "What's going on?" And nobody really knows what's going on. We're talking amongst ourselves, sort of like, "Well, we'll see." Which isn't exactly the way that, that you want the state of the team to be in uh, November prior to a season that you're going to be pushing for a an AL pennant. But right. uh, you know, there was time. There was time. But these guys actually, you know, stood up. Uh, put the right face on and had the right attitude. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the hall of famer, the guy who's got the ring that he's showing off, which Tim doesn't have yet. And Aloy doesn't have yet. Doesn't have the right attitude. And unfortunately that bleeds over to the front office as well, as much as Rick Conn may want to disavow the hire or who knows Jerry Ridesworth might be saying, Oh, well, no, it was still a baseball decision. I mean, who, they might all just be pointing at each other. This could be a standoff here. Yeah. Uh, it bleeds into all of them when criticism right. on, on social media right now is to the White Sox it's to those guys it's not to us as fans it's not to the players it's to that front office that that, that put the team in this position
1: yep and one of the things I pointed out to my husband yesterday because he's like well Reinsdorf hired him I said yes Reinsdorf is responsible for bringing him in that hasn't been a secret he is representative of the team now. He represents the White Sox organization. He represents whether Rick Hahn wants to disavow it or not. He represents Rick Hahn and Ken Williams and Tim Anderson and Eloy and Jose and all of these guys because he's now the manager. And the manager does take a lot of shrapnel for the front office as we've seen, but he is still a member of the organization. He is still representative of the organization. Um And, like you said, Eloy had done a great job with his language. I remember last year I read something about Erin Santana, who's the White Mm -hmm. Sox minor league education coordinator, and I Mm -hmm. think she's responsible for helping those guys out. So, good, like, shout out to her for all the work that she does. (laughs) But, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's like, so here's the thing like, when I think of this Tony Larissa nonsense but I find aside from finding it alarming that the team knew about it and hired him anyway has and the team apparently has no intention of disciplining him over it they had no real response to when this was going to come out which I think is an incredibly like this is like Pepsi and Kendall Jenner commercial stupid um but what what would the team do to a player who had two DUIs you know like I think of Most glaringly in recent memory, Josh Hamilton, Mm -hmm. who very openly admitted that he had a drug problem, openly admitted when he relapsed. And since he's retired, has had other issues off the field. But there, I know that there was some of the org organizations were like drug testing him all the time. And if he, it was like in his contract, if he relapsed, they were going to cut him and all of this stuff. How would the how would our team, how would the White Sox treat someone like Josh Hamilton? How would they treat that player? Would that player be facing the same level of discipline and the same level of scrutiny Josh Hamilton did? Or would it just be the way that they're treating Tony So it's just like, eh, nah, we're not going to do anything. You know? yeah. And like, the thing that I have a hard time with is people on Twitter and people in sports media, whenever someone fucks up, Whenever, like, a player gets caught beating up his girlfriend or his wife or Tony La Russa getting two DUIs and, like, the off-field antics of some of these players, um, a lot, and this is, like, as a female fan, I have to compartmentalize a lot of shit to be able to cheer for my teams. And the White Sox have never been a team where I had to do that, you know? Like, I never had to sit... And think, like, oh, God, I can't believe they hired Josh Hader after all the crap oh, yeah. he said. And, like, I have to compartmentalize my disgust and cheer for him. The White Sox have been able to have that, I don't want to say higher ground because it sounds kind of snippy, but they've been able to have that moral higher ground. And... This flies in the face of all of that. Where like Jerry had the reputation of, I'm not going to put up with Dennis Rodman. I'm not going to put up with you know shit like this. And then turns out that was a lie. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's like I don't know how much, like, how much do I really want to compartmentalize all this? Like, do I really want to put up with this this crap? Like, as a just as a regular fan and as a female fan, because it's like. You have to compartmentalize so much to be able to enjoy sports, and then at the end of the day, it's like that's exhausting.
0: Yeah, we we certainly know now in in today's world that it's impossible to be completely clean. The White Sox have always have seemingly str- strode for that. Uh, I recall, I want to say, very early in this. Century, where uh, Canerco and the team sort of led a boycott of drug testing, not because they didn't want to get drug tested, because they thought that drug testing didn't do anything. It wasn't hard yeah. enough. Uh, yep. You know, of course, they employed Jose Canseco briefly. They employed Manny Ramirez briefly. They yep. employed Brett Myers briefly. The LaRoches, uh, okay, the LaRoches, uh, you know, <laughs> he sort of yeah. took himself out of the picture. Um, yeah. And, and, that and what is. does have to be heartbreaking, and I can only imagine, because I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of the compartmentalizing, we all have to do it. And I imagine you, as a female fan, has that, have that extra layer or two or 12 that you have to compartmentalize. But the fact that the White Sox did this to themselves, this isn't... Yeah. Signing Luis Robert and finding out there's some crazy past he has or uh, any of this type of stuff, or even, I don't know, assigning Adam, uh, 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 Adam LaRoche, think he's going to give you some pop uh, and hit some homers from the left side, and then finding out somehow because he masked it well or you just ignored it, that he just was sort of a dick. And you know, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, fine. He believes in in his idiocy, and you know, he's convicted. <laughs> and that. That's cool, you know, fine. But I mean, I don't necessarily want it in my clubhouse. So you know, let's just part ways. Fine. Um, this is something. I mean, it's such an unforced error, and I mean, it seems ridiculous to be talking about a Hall of Fame manager of, of no matter what age or however long away from the the dugout as being an, an error anyway. But I mean, it is, and the yeah. fact that they knew so much more than we knew when. Our hair stood on end, uh, whatever, a week or two ago when we heard this, um, the fact that they knew it was worse, and they knew yep. from a public relations standpoint it was going to be so much worse, and whether or not they had an answer, if they had an answer, if they had the ready answer that you you wish that they did have, and you'd think somebody would be employed there to have, I mean, of course that would have maybe... Um, soften the blow a, a touch, I suppose, or at least you'd have thought, okay, they're trying to get out in front of something. But the truth is yeah. it really wouldn't have mattered. The resume is still the resume. And this is a really ugly detour on the resume. The idea that this wasn't something that, this isn't a knee injury that takes your superstar from from a Hall of Fame track to, a, to a, just a regular starter track or a guy blows right. his arm out or, or a car accident or something.
1: This is... Right. He did this to himself. He and the team, the team accepted it and they hired him anyway. And it's, he didn't do it while he was employed to the team. He did it before he was employed by the team. And I think that really speaks to the amount of privilege and the amount of nepotism in front offices and with coaching jobs, because we're already looking at just a staggering percentage of white guys in baseball. I mean, and that's not a secret that's not news and the white Sox, and they got a lot of criticism for this rightly so they fired one of the only minority coaches in the league who had the respect of the clubhouse despite you know questionable decisions over the years but he did have the respect of the clubhouse and then they hired Larusa, who is a 75 year old white guy who hadn't managed in nine years still hasn't talked to the players and has this light on his record that's you know not from only 13 years ago, but it's from you know nine months ago. Yeah. and I think it's really a disgusting look for the White Sox. I think it makes them look like the Yankees <laughs> and not in a and not in the good way. you know this is not this isn't like the Yankees winning 28 dependents or whatever like this okay. is not a good look. This looks like the Yankees in the grossest way. And it reminds me of like way back when Bill, you know, dipping back in the old Chicago sports franchises, it makes me think of when Bill Wirtz owned the Blackhawks and what a mess that front office was in that the team had so many great talents for years and they just couldn't, they couldn't win. And it was because of the mess of the front office. It was the messes of the coaching staff. The team wasn't on TV and all of these other problems and then after Bill died, Rocky comes in, makes all of these sweeping changes, and the team goes on to win Stanley Cups. You know, it's it's starting to look like that, and it is not a good look. It's not something that Sox fans deserve, and it's not something that Sox fans should have to put up with.
0: Well, we, We've spoken, Colleen, pretty much solely from the standpoint <laughs> and the the view of White Sox fans and people who cover the team and pay a lot of attention to the team. But as we wind up here, let's now shift this because this is something that's now come out today as well. And this is perception, not just from fans and not just snarky comments on Twitter. Let's talk about how this is now going to impact how this team is able to improve itself by reaching out via trade or even more easily through free agency to improve its team. One of the players, certainly most rumored to be a guy who come to the White Sox and help them out. Whether or not he'd be a top target, he already was a pretty feisty guy. He opted out as a bit of a thumb in the in the <laughs> nose to uh, the, the Mets, uh, this... He did in the
1: best way possible. I would still love how much he... Like, finally a player manipulated the contract. For
0: absolutely. Himself. I love it so much. Absolutely. And I could see how that might have knocked him down a few notches uh, uh, among guys that Jerry Ronsard was willing to pay. But that said, Marcus oh, Stroman has been a... <laughs> Uh, An active participant uh, in social media, and he's had a back and forth, I believe, circling around with Ken Rosenthal and Keith Law, and maybe a few other people, just a back and forth about what sort of impact this has. Now, uh, uh, yesterday, (laughs) at this time yesterday, I would have said, There's a lot of smoke blowing here. Players are not dumb enough to not realize that money is green, and though it might not be ideal, you're going to go for the green. But once we get these revelations now, where the, the team goes ahead and hires a guy who clearly is, to some degree, damaged goods, um, mm-hmm. where the fears you have about him, whether it be his views on race or his, uh, I don't know, his views on substance abuse or whatever it might be, yeah. uh, 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 non-white players, um, are perhaps uh, given some extra volume now with what we're learning about who this manager is and who this man is now that the white sex have brought into it's uh, Marcus Stroman has clearly yep. come out and said, no amount of money is worth uh, um, sacrificing my peace of mind. Um, yep. And again, the green can still overwhelm that, but it's, it's going to, I would say it's near impossible really? now. And
1: yeah. I, Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. The, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the problem is, and what we do have to address now is how are, I don't care necessarily what other fans think. I don't care what other you know writers think necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about what other players think if they're locked into a 10 year contract. I certainly do care about the free agents or the guys who might be available via trade who may have severe hesitations to come to the White Sox because of the mess that's been created here.
1: Well, so what's the narrative been the last few off seasons? It's been these big explosive contracts. It's Manny Machado to The Padres, it's Bryce Harper to the Phillies, Mike Trout staying with the Angels, and Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers, which the Dodgers were going to win a World Series in the next couple of years anyway. Like, that didn't make a difference. But it's these big explosive free agency contracts, and it's these long contracts. And I think one of the things that hinges on these long free agent contracts and the fact that these players can demand so much money outside of the fact that they're incredibly talented is the front office. They're looking at the team and they're saying, This front office is organized. This manager is organized. I want to play for Dave Roberts. I want to play for you know, Kevin Cash, even though, you know, the Rays have <laughs> kind of an Oakland, ap- you know, but right. you know what I mean? Like they're looking at these. If I'm a player, I'm not just looking at the players, right? Like if I was a free agent, I'd love to play with Tim Anderson and Eloy and Luis. And, you know, it's a great core team I don't want to play somewhere where the front office is a mess and you see that and you see that really demonstrated with the Mets with Marcus Stroman starting off the season injured and then opting out the rest of the season with you know Suspitas just peacing out from Atlanta it's it's not just like lol the Mets are cursed it's that the front office was such a mess and at some point, there's not enough money to make that worth it, I don't think. I don't think the free agents are going, you know what, that's fine. I'll put up with it. Money's money. And to be fair, there probably are players who think that. I'm not saying there aren't. But I think if you really want some talent free agents, if you really want to get more Dallas Keikles or more Yasmani Grandals, if you want to get Marcus Stroman, or God forbid Trevor Bauer, you have, you can't have a front office that's this messy. Like you can't, it just, and especially in a large market, you are a large market team. You are in Chicago. You should not be this disorganized. You should not be this messy. And we saw shades of it in 2016 with Adam Eaton and Todd Frazier not getting along. You know, and there was never anything that really came out in local media about why they didn't get along. It was just known that they didn't get along in the clubhouse. Then on top of, you know, Chris Sale chopping up jerseys and the Adam LaRoche circus, it didn't make the front office look that great in 2016. And then, you know, as the years go on, there's not a lot of drama coming out of Chicago. Okay, you know a lot of people focus on the Ricketts and Theo Epstein. And it's like, okay, maybe the White Sox as a free agent, maybe that's the team I want to go to. That team seems really supportive. That front office seems really great. Everybody on the team is fun. There's, you know, all these opportunities. And going into this season of free agency, you're really thinking about that. you're looking to this young, exciting team. And then this comes out. And it's like, okay, I'm sacrificing peace of mind with a team I'm sacrificing because this is distracting. The front office stuff is distracting to players, whether or not people say, Oh, they should just tune out the news. They should tune out social media, this and that it's, it's still distracting. Like this still makes the team look disorganized and messy. And it doesn't matter how many postseasons you go to.
0: These things are supposed to help the team. You're not supposed to win in spite of your manager. The White Sox could be the World Series winners in 2021, but it seems more and more likely that it could be at least at the start of the season, in spite of who they hired as manager. Yep. The fact that the White Sox are an attractive destination and have some money to spend in the off season this year, is supposed to just be a plus. It's You're not supposed to want to have to weigh coming to the White Sox in spite of what you think might be a disorganized front office or having hired a manager who might not be friendly to your needs or, or willing to listen to your needs. Things that yep. will push you away as a player when you are likely going to have at least one alternate destination, if not five or ten. Uh, that's yep. what's frustrating about the white sex have done, even just on the field before any of the revelations. Uh, from yesterday came out is that you're not supposed to be making this more difficult. These types of hires, especially when you're a choice destination, you're not the Tampa Rays where you're scrambling just maybe to try to find you, you have to sort of make do um yeah. you're not the you're not the cubs where you know I don't know tearing down their team or owned by fascists or you know whatever <laughs> um you know where okay that's just sort of built that's that's cooked into the batter. the white Sox yeah. taking a situation that was the most promising managerial opening arguably the most up-and-coming team in baseball, and they've now made themselves, if not the the, the least attractive destination, um, they're yeah. falling fast.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Like, they had – it was on a silver platter for them. All they had to do was to hire a manager – that people would want to play for. They could have hired A.J. Hinch. They could have hired Alex Cora. And Alex Cora, people forget, does have a connection to the White Sox because of Joey Cora. You know, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a more than, like, a dotted line, but it's still, there's still a connection there. And, you know, Alex Cora can call up his brother and say, hey, what do you think of working there? And that could have been what did it. Like, we could have had a young dynamic manager we could have had i mean and for every, everything everybody wants to say about aj Hinch, the only reason he was good in houston was because of the cheating because when he managed the diamondbacks he wasn't that great you know that's a separate narrative but alex coro had a proven track record of being a good manager before the cheating started and he served his time he's gonna get forgiven he apologized you know he did all the right things and it was the Sox had this on a silver platter. They had this great managerial position. They had a great chance to have a good narrative going into the off season, where they could have hired a dynamic manager in these, and you know, a new, a great pitching coach. They could have hired great bench coaches. They could have had made it a big free agency destination. Where I'm not going to get a 10-year, $500 million contract, I might get something a little smaller. But I still want to play there because I think it would be awesome. And they just shit the bed. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They they had, like, such an opportunity, and they just shit the bed so hard on it. <laughs> there's no other way to describe what they did. It's like... Now I'm a free agent and I, you know, going into the off season, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I do like targeting my agent. Maybe I do want to go to the White Sox. Like, it seems like they're starting to do really cool stuff over there and they're not getting a lot of attention. So there's not going to be a lot of the media nonsense swirling around like there is in New York all the time, for example.
0: Though tempting, dear listeners, I am not, I'm not going to give in to the temptation to make shooting the bed so hard. The cover art for this podcast, though. Uh, it might
1: be the tagline.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be the subhead, <laughs> no doubt. Well, I will say as we wind up, Colleen, that I was not ex- expecting the pivot. Now that you've cited a couple different times, of hire Alex Cora as one of yeah. your moves. That you, that was a that's an interesting card you played there. I was not expecting that one. But hey, listen, I
1: low key, I like I like Alex Cora, just in general. I I like him as a manager. I was disappointed in the cheating. I was disappointed in what the Red Sox did. And not to the level of rage I was about the Astros, because the Astros were so unapologetic about it. And they were so just like giving the finger to media, like, ha ha, we're just good. you're looking mm-hmm. for something. Look how good, we, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, he did what he was supposed to do. He took a suspension. He apologized. He served his time. And that's it. So yeah, and I, all his all his,
0: thought... all his favorite beverages that were in the uh, manager's office uh, mini fridge at Fenway Park are probably yep. still there because he's uh, his butt grooves in the seat are still probably very well there because yep. he was only he was <laughs> he was away his minimum time and I think that's what makes the idea that Alex Cora would come to the White Sox. Um, maybe just the pipe dream because it seemed like from the start yes, he was always headed right back to Boston. And yeah,
1: then, he was always going to go right back to Boston. It's just a pipe dream. <sighs> I mean, that's just because I like Alex Cora in general, though. Well,
0: we could, <sighs> we, could, we could push to a full hour by speculating on the coaching staff, but Colleen, I think it would be best that we just hope <laughs> Tony LaRussa is the only person in the dugout because I'm guessing with the tracker that the White Sox are establishing right now, it's going to be a whole fine list. In the dugout. <laughs> well, that could very well be. But any pitching coach or hitting coach or base coach they hire might be worse than him. And uh, you know what? To make them look better, or just because they don't have any judgment whatsoever, or or Jerry Reinsdorf's Rolodex, uh, he, he he literally dusts it off and flips through and and says, okay, this guy's he still alive? Let's get him in.
1: I'm gonna hire so, John Paxton or something. Oh my God! What was the guy in the Bulls that they just fired? They're gonna hire him. <laughs> oh
0: my God. Yeah, the uh, the second <laughs> the second <laughs> Boylan. Well, he's good with he's good with uh, push-ups. Look at yeah, guys doing calls. push-ups.
1: <laughs> They're going <gonna sighs> to call Cooper and be like, LOL, sorry, can you come back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, who's you're... the Cubs pitching coach <laughs> they just fired?
0: <laughs> yeah, Don Cooper, you look really good compared to the rest of the coaching staff right now. You look
1: great compared to the nothing that we have options for. Uh,
0: Dom, I'm going to have to ask you to, um, you're going to have to lock away the Cooper-nay, though. Can't have you yeah. bring in your wine bottles into the clubhouse it's not gonna yeah no
1: booze well
0: Well, uh colleen this is horrifying i definitely need a shower (laughs) uh but i appreciate you being willing to shoulder this uh (laughs) with me uh of course uh you know read uh colleen will be doing some uh uh, manager pieces i believe this offseason. she'll be doing her different writing and going into the regular season of course she'll be writing for us you'll be seeing her words on site you'll probably be hearing from her again because i'm sure we left out enough of an ellipses to this <laughs> long podcast so we'll have to follow up again so we'll be hearing from her uh, again as well but uh for now thanks for it's taking different the time to do and
1: know your enemy about i'm gonna have to do and know your enemy about my own team that's gonna be tricky
0: <sighs> kidding. too many why are we populating your own team with enemies oh my god Well, uh, that's stuff to look forward to from, from Colleen. of course you'll be hearing from her again, I'm sure this off season, hopefully with some brighter things to talk about, maybe we will actually sign a player or or maybe the coaching staff will be filled out with people who will just shout louder than Tony or who
1: knows. (laughs) Maybe maybe Tony Tony will do the right thing and quit.
0: Maybe Tony will do the right thing and and, (laughs) and attend to himself a little bit. Um, Cut against the grain of anything we're expecting. Uh, I think about 0% of people would expect that happening, but It's not impossible, especially with the right prompting and the right um, check slipped into his trouser pocket. Uh, It could happen, so I guess we'll see. Please do, everybody. Stay tuned. Uh, We got a a mess of podcasts coming up this week, beyond this one I've just done here. You just listened to with uh, Colleen Sullivan, and we're going to be, of course, writing. I mean, it is, as we alluded to, it's awards week, so we'll be uh, addressing uh, how Ricky Renria uh, later on, Tonight, we'll be addressing who he ends up in the manager of the year race. Uh, Jose Abreu may get an MVP award uh, on Thursday. And, of course, in between, marking all of the possible triumph for the White Sox organization will be, be the continuing narrative of Tony La Russa taking one sip too many. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, thanks for joining me, Colleen, and uh, let's get together again under better circumstances.
1: Yes, my blood pressure needs good news.
0: Thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) And I know you're all shaking your heads and you got your heads in your hands just like I do and Colleen does. (sighs) Thank you for suffering through this with us. Hopefully we provided just a little bit of relief knowing that yes, there are thousands of others like you, (laughs) if not millions, and you're all shaking your head in the same way we are saying, what in the world is going on? Hey, let's put it this way. It can only get better, right, Colleen? Tell me it can only get better.
1: You know what? every time I say that, something else happens, so I'm not saying shit. <laughs> uh,
0: I can't even get comfort from my podcast guest all uh, right
1: well I'm sorry i I'm hexed, man. Every time I say you can only get better, it's like something else happens. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stick the flag in the earth and say it can only get better from here. Uh this week might be a little scary, but hopefully by next week things will be looking up and we'll be around to talk about it on the South Side Sox podcast and many of our other family podcasts uh including oh I don't know, the Killer Bees, North Side Sox and Sharing Sox. Holy cow, we got 3 in addition to whatever this main flagship podcast is i guess it's the south side sox podcast thanks for listening hey. to the south side sox podcast and so for colleen not related to paul sullivan and myself Brett valentini thanks for listening everybody and uh keep on reading the news has got to get better